Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of the Dark Art Society podcast. My name is Chet Zar. I am your host. Today we have an excellent interview with artist Brian Mark Taylor. Brian is a, an incredible painter. He's really, really good. He's like uh, more of a traditional painter than we usually have on here, but um, a brilliant, brilliant painter. Um, he's he's uh, uh, won all kinds of awards and been featured in magazines like Fine Art Connoisseur and Plain Air and Southwest Art and American Art Collector. I mean, he's really, uh, he's truly legit. I love his work. I love his work. Um, I wish I could paint like that. Uh, anyway, uh, he is organizing a an online event, a conven- an online convention called Vision X Live, and I'm going to take part in that. I'm going to have a virtual booth, and I'm going to be on a panel talking about dystopia, which is going to be cool with some other artists. And uh, the lineup of artists in this convention is crazy, really amazing, so much talent. And uh, anyway, I just thought it would be a good excuse to have him on the show and promote the conference and also you know mainly interview him and uh talk about his career and we just had an excellent conversation he's a super nice guy uh, and I, I i love that he is um you know kind of outside of our circle in a way uh you know we're, we're we tend to i think as dark artists we tend to feel like we're marginalized and not taken seriously by the uh, art establishment and stuff like that. And so we tend to, you know, maybe I'm just talking about myself, but it seems like we tend to maybe, uh, I don't know, close ourselves off from other genres of art. Uh, and so it was great to talk to him, someone who's not in this circle and hear how, you know, it, it, it might as well have been a dark artist. I mean, it was like the same vibe, the same kind of conversation that we normally have on here. Um, and it really struck me. It's like, you know, it's more than dark artists. We're all artists. That's more important than if you're a dark artist or a traditional artist or a plein air painter or whatever. It's like being an artist is the thing. That's the thing. And uh, anyways, it was very inspiring, very great interview, and I was uh, really appreciative to have him have him on. So I'm looking forward to having you hear the show. I thought it was fantastic. So, what have I been doing the last week? I have been recovering for I I did a crazy round of like 20 studies in a really short time, just cranking them out. And, um, all of a sudden I was like, Oh, I got to stop and take a break. (laughs) I was just obsessed. I was obsessed with these colors and this new series I'm working on. I'm going to get back to them probably right after this, but, um, I did kind of take a break and I've been organizing. That's been my big focus lately is trying to get organized for the first time in my life, 53 years old. I'm going to have an organized studio. Damn it. I'm going to have an organized studio. If it kills me, I just, I've, been this way my entire life just a disorganized mess and i'm and i and i just feel like i can do it i know i can do it i've done a lot i've done a lot 
more difficult things than organize myself. So I, uh, I, I'm, I'm doing it. So I, I'm spending time doing that. And um, also working on the books, we sent another round since the last round of got, got a proof back of the book. It looks so good. It's uh, uh, we had to do Mike and I went through made another round of corrections. It's kind of like a refining process. I, I think I'm assuming this is kind of how the book, how it goes in the book world. It's a it's a big book. It's big. It's long. It's got uh, probably twice as many pages as I was planning on having. So, you know, you can see it's kind of grown to grown and become this huge thing, um, which is great for the book. But it's not, you know, I'm kind of concerned about how, how much that's going to affect the the printing costs and stuff. But we'll see. I'm supposed to also get uh, quotes this week from for for from uh, printers and stuff. So anyway, super close to being done. Um, I know I've said that for the last year, but it really is. It's like, you know. It's, you know, it's, it's the closest thing to being a hundred percent finished than it ever has been. And it's like, you know, it's going and making sure page numbers are right. And just stuff, small things like that. I forgot like a, a pen and ink illustration of one of the drones, uh, for example, uh, you know, but that was, and I had to do like a Photoshop on some, uh, painting. It's like just making sure all the paintings are the right ones and not stand-in paintings and blah, blah, blah. So it's near the end. It really is near the end, I swear. I mean, this thing's got to be going to print. I'm sure it's going to be – I don't imagine it's going to take longer than another month before it goes to print. Um, so anyway, it's it's that close. I'll have to do a Kickstarter update. I just It's funny about the Kickstarter thing. It's like everyone's been so cool. For the most part, 99% of the people have not given me too much grief for taking so long, but it's always, there's always that one person. And it's like, you know, when you, when you post an update on Kickstarter, you want to be communicative and tell people what's going on. Cause they really get pissed if you just don't communicate with them. That's when people get really pissed. And so I've been very communicative with, with uh, my backers and, um, but you know, it's like every time you make post an update, it's almost like a reminder that you're five years behind. Um, so you kind of don't want to do it because you don't want to hear see that one bad comment that's going <laughs> to make you feel bad. Um, but anyway, I'll, I will do it. I'll, I'll do it, you know, probably in the next week or so. Maybe once we hear back uh, from the graphic designer and get prices and stuff. Anyway. Uh, yeah, so that's what, what's been going on. Um, as far as new patrons, there are no new patrons, no new patrons. I mean, we, we had a streak, we've had a streak. I don't think there's been no new patron patrons for a long time. We actually lost two, but it's no big deal. You know, people, people have, uh, have fallen hard times. It's totally understandable. If you want to support you can uh, go to patreon.com slash dark art society, get the podcast a day early, get into the private Facebook group that we have where everyone's talking daily about all things art and dark art and inspiring each other and so much going on in there. Really, there's there's a whole community. We've become friends. It's really uh, 
it's amazing in there. It really is cool. So you can join for as little as a dollar a, uh, a dollar a month. I was gonna say a dollar a day. You could do that too if you wanted to. Um, a dollar a month, and uh, yeah, Patreon.com/slash Dark Art Society. And um, let's see what else. That's all I do, right? Oh, the synesthesia word of the week. You know, I'll do in Brian's honor. I will do um, Brian. I'll do the name Brian. Um, for those of you who don't know, if you're hearing this for the first time, I've got a weird form of synesthesia that words and especially names have flavors to me. It's an automatic connection in my brain. And uh, Brian is a very strong one, like one of the strongest ones. Brian, the name Brian, tastes like bacon. Yep. There you have it. Okay, enough of my rambling. Uh, let's get to it. Here we go. My interview with Brian Mark Taylor. Thank you for listening, and I hope you like it. Hi, Brian. Hi. How are you? Doing awesome. Excellent. I appreciate you coming on the show. Happy to be here. You're, you're just like, you're such a, uh, yeah, uh, uh, technically so masterful. I mean, your work is just incredible. Like, I could never paint like that. I, I feel like I could never paint like that. I just, I, I envy, envy your your, uh, your technique and your talent. It's like that kind of loose brush paint brushwork is just amazing to me. Well, I, I appreciate that. I know that, you know, when I get a comment like that and, um, you know, when I read it, you, you throw an image on Reddit and, you know, everybody's, it's so raw in the comments they make. <laughs> yeah. Thing from you suck to, you know, you should go drive a bus to, man, this is amazing. But I think the comment, at least like, like you just said, I mean, that's the thing that I hope uh, when somebody says, I love how, you know, accuracy, looseness com combination mm -hmm. happens. And I really appreciate that because, um, it's hard to do. It's, it's hard to do. <laughs> a lot of people don't, uh, you know, don't realize that they'd prefer maybe something that's more like photo real or something right. like that. Right. Right. Where I get you and I are more interested in going beyond the real, maybe mm -hmm. evoking something a little bit more than, than what just trying to make, you know, yeah, an accurate representation of a thing, like a perfect represent. That's, that's, you know, that's such a great point because, um, your stuff really does create this kind of like a, like a, a, a there's a sense of mystery and a, and a real mood there. You know, you really can feel like a mood. There's like a lot of feeling into it, to it, which is, you know, um, Photo real stuff. While I I admire it on a technical level, like super photo real painting, is kind of amazing to look at, but uh, it doesn't have the atmosphere usually. You know, the, right. like there's something in the air you can feel. They don't. Yeah. It doesn't. It, it's a little sterile for my taste. Yeah, and I think you know when I look at uh, like even a high definition television, I actually <laughs> don't like it. I, I prefer right. like watching a movie in high definition. You know, like, for example, in the fantasy genre, you see some of the old Lord of the Rings films. It's, they just look terrible. Right. And everything looks kind of cut out. And I love, you know, the, the traditional older films that have kind of a fuzz 
kind of a softness to them. Mm-hmm. Let your imagination go, and you don't see all the bad B actors in the background. <laughs> you know, doing, and um, it, it, it transports me a little bit more. And I guess that I kind of approach it the same way with the art. Like, at least I don't like to describe too much um, because it takes me away from that kind of mystery or the ability that I want to be able to let people fill in the detail, you know, trust that right. the artists or patrons that are looking at my work will see, will be able to fill that in and, and, and create something a lot more strong than if I described everything to them. Right. It is. There's kind of an element of leaving something to the imagination and requiring the viewer to participate in the experience of looking at a piece while their mind is kind of filling in the rest. And I love that. Like it's yeah, so cool. it's, it's much more like the poet, poetry side of things, or right. or even like um, you know, part of you know, I use a lot of analogies of other disciplines and things like that because I, I think it helps me understand better what's going on. But even like a jazz musician, mm-hmm. you know, the way they have their improv, even right, like, has that kind of you know that the vibes that if it's too organized or too planned out or too rendered it it, it kind of loses some of that mojo. Yeah. Yeah. But it's, it's a, it's a hard trick to do. <laughs> it's like, a, it's like a balancing act. It's, it's, yeah. it's tricky. It's like, I've, I, I tell the story all the time that I'm, um, my own uh, orientation is like to be tight, you know, I'm self-taught and it's like, you know, the stuff I was raised on is, is, you know, comics and stuff like that is to kind of be tight. And, um, and I've always admired painters who could paint loose because it didn't come natural to me. So I, I, th- I think I just told this story in the last podcast I did. <laughs> I tell it all the time. But I, I um, basically studied it and tried to do it. And finally, I painted a painting that was like, this is loose. This is, you know, that style. And I did it. I nailed it. And then when I was done, I just kind of went back to the way I normally paint. Okay. It was almost like I just had to prove it to myself. And then I have this place where... You know, uh, I like it. I still like it. But it's like it's always in the back of my mind to keep detail in areas I want focus and other areas that I don't don't need that people to look at as much. You know, the areas of not focus to play with abstract soft shapes and stuff like that. Yeah. Create that atmosphere. So, well, it's if it's any consolation, it's a it's a total battle for me constantly. Oh, really? You're always staying with. The largest tool you possibly can. I know that's such a bitch, <laughs> and that's 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 the challenge, right? Yep. Is you're you have a big big tool, and you're trying to do delicate work. Mm-hmm. With and yeah, yeah. That's the that's that's the challenge, and you know you know I have a studio littered with paintings that you know didn't quite make the cut, right. and, and that's the thing about it is that it's not something that you could just keep working on sequentially to kind of finish it, right? you almost have to like destroy and start over on a passage or, you know, I have tons of paintings that just didn't, I think the idea was there, the passion was there, but for whatever reason, uh, maybe I'm a little tired or something. It didn't, it just doesn't come together. And right. So it becomes a part of the stack. Yeah. You know, <laughs> eventually. So there's a lot of stops and starts, uh, in this, at least in the, the type of work I've been doing a lot. Um, and of course, I think I've developed along those lines something that's really helped me as well to get that kind of looseness and is painting from life. Mm-hmm. You know, the the fact that you have a limited amount of time 
right. the time crunch becomes a critical part of you. Try to solve problems as quickly as you can. Mm-hmm. And um, just because, hey, the, the light's going to be gone. You know, I do a lot of plein air painting, a lot of outdoor stuff. And, you know, you have a couple hours, really, to create something. And it's over. Yeah. And I usually don't go back. Some artists will, you know, like Monet, would always go back to a scene and, right. and working on it more and more. Uh, but for me, I found that it would kind of destroy that freshness. So I kind of live and die on the ability to kind of capture it. Either I did or I didn't. Right. <laughs> I live with that. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I just, uh, I was watching, what was I watching? It was some YouTube series and art and art. Uh, this is my dog. Uh, I forgot perspective. It's a series called perspective. It's like an English series on, on different artists and different painters. Mostly. Um, it's really good. And they were talking about the uh, the Impressionists and all their plain air painting and how difficult it was for them just to go and do it. What a pain in the ass it is to lug all that gear and then put the umbrella up and have the wind going. And it's like a whole other added difficulty as if it's not hard enough to paint something from life that you got like bugs and the heat and you're standing on rocks and stuff i mean i could imagine that's not easy i I don't i've never really done it actually other than like my front porch i think i may have done it before in the backyard or something but yeah well it's yeah it definitely like um you know as we say it's 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 painting painting plein air is a sport (laughs) you have all the issues that come with sports and you know, even um, just dealing with the heat and sweat dripping down your face kind of things. So right. Certainly been in those situations. I have to say of all the things that I I really can't stand it. Well, wind is one of them and mosquitoes is the <laughs> other one. I think wind is still the worst. Yeah. yeah just so hard to uh, to get anything done. But, um, you know, you, you, I, I've definitely bunk, you know, like hunkered down into like a little foxhole like thing sometimes where I'm down on the ground when it's super windy and <laughs> capture the, the scene that I want to capture, you know, right. cause you're spending all this time to go out on location and find things, but it's also kind of a thrill too. It's, it's uh, like I'm going fishing and you just never know what you're going to quite, if you're going to catch anything or something's going to be worthwhile when you come back. Um, that's a cool way to describe it. Yeah. So it, it's, it, it's, it's exciting in the sense that you, you really don't know. You're, it's just kind of uncontrolled. It's, it's, I guess, some ways controlled chaos, and you try and balance those things, like you said, with the sun. Or, you know, partly cloudy day is always tough because clouds, you know, there's light on your subject, then it's gone, and then it's back again. Right. You know, you can, you just kind of have to work with that as best you can. Or, you know, if you're doing clouds and moving quickly, you've got to nail something, some shape. Right, right. And then your imagination is going to do the rest because it's gone. Yeah. You know, well, what you start to do, and I'm sure you do this too. You're developing things out of your head, you know, as you're designing creatures and characters and things like that is that, uh, you start to build a kind of vocabulary or, a right. You know, a, a system of shapes or definitely that's right. That, that kind of work their way into your piece. And so, you know, people see my painting or any other plein air painter they'll say oh that's a so-and-so's tree that's how he kind of would design right, it right right yeah yeah because you kind of in some ways you have to 
to steal all that information that's which there's like a million times more information than you actually need to create a painting mm-hmm. boil it down to you know the essence of what you're after and then just go after those things right right and for me, um, I'm I'm less maybe of a pure nature painter, which a lot of plein air painters are, probably the majority, mm-hmm. or into the, uh, you know, just pure landscape, trees, river, sky, rocks, all that. And that's great. I love that. And I love, you know, hiking in it and things like that. But I, I'm a little more interested in kind of the humanity side of things where yeah. people have imposed themselves on. Oh, yeah. You've got some amazing paintings of like corridors in china that are just so cool i've been to i worked in china for like four months it's like yep that's china that's beijing (laughs) yeah absolutely so yeah you know that i mean just how crazy it is how chaotic totally man and old so old and so chaotic it's it was like a a culture shock major culture shock garbage on top of garbage (laughs) (laughs) and then you see like you know, some of the the more like 300 year old uh, structure behind mm-hmm. it. And I, I think that stuff is fascinating. I've always found that, um, the, you know, the poorer classes of people that are, you know, just kind of the average person kind of just living their life and often far more interesting than, you know, somebody that has the white suit and tie. Definitely. I've just, I, I love those chaotic spaces the spaces where there, there isn't enough time in the, or energy in the day to like set things right. They, they have to just make it happen, right? right? As best they can. They're working super hard and trying to just eke, eke by a living. Mm-hmm. And that's why there's that kind of chaotic space. There isn't even proper sanitation. or. Right. But I just find those things so visually stimulating. You know, the colors, the textures. Definitely. That, they are, um, you know, even these old uh, Chinese boats, these junk boats that have had generations of people living on them. Yeah. Not, not only people are living on there, they've got chickens living on there. They've <laughs> sometimes goats living right. on there. And, uh, of course, like 10 dogs on top of that, too. Yeah. And it's such an interesting, it's like this amazing sculpture that, like, you know, it's taken years to make. Okay. It's, like, it's like a surrealist sculpture in a way. It's really weird. There, it's kind of dreamlike and bizarre. Yeah, you know. I, I also gravitate towards, you know, I love the claymation artists and yeah. just have rich textures and the things they develop. I mean, obviously Tim Burton's a genius. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, does some really amazing stuff. Um, I don't know if he's an inspiration for you at all, but oh yeah, yeah, he's amazing. He, he's been. You know, he and others kind of like that to do some really cool, complex sets. Oh, I'm definitely. always it's fascinated by those miniatures and the kind of the environments. I'm, I'm one of those guys, you know, as far as the movies go, I love the big opening shot scenes or when they're going to a new land or mm-hmm. Star Wars or Avatar or, you know, Blade Runner. Right. You know, the shots showing the world. Yeah. Um, I've just been really fascinated by some of that stuff. And, um, even like the latest Blade Runner, the 2049, mm-hmm. one that came. Um, a lot of that stuff and that inspiration, I know all the places where they gathered that information from because I've been there. Oh, really? <laughs> um, like the, where they have L.A. that's like a complete dump. Mm-hmm. Um, that's um, 
in the old world, there's a the place where they break down ships, shipyards and things like like full on huge, enormous ships. They're, they're breaking them down to use their metal and parts and things like that. It's like a giant ship graveyard. And so that's kind of where they took the inspiration for stuff like that. And I just find mm. that fascinating. Yeah, super cool. And I think that, you know, the those kinds of places, uh, you know, China and others where big, huge structures and, you know, people living like stuffed in these high rises, the, the idea of the mega structure has always been interesting to me. And so, you know, as I've kind of come full circle a little bit, because my initial love of art has always been like science fiction and fantasy. Mm hmm. Um, and then I, you know, I kind of took a detour and did more of a classical painting study and, you know, in life. But as I'm getting a little older, I'm kind of coming back to that mm -hmm. <laughs> side of it and wanting to kind of, cause it's, it's, it's so, you know, interesting. And, um, even that idea of creating your own intellectual property, right. right? I've been wanting to kind of go back and, and take some of this stuff that I've seen and put it into, uh, you know, a world and I'm just kind of starting developing and as oh, cool. I, you, I know how, I know how hard it is. <laughs> how you work, right? I mean, how long have you been working on your your? Uh, it's your been work? it's been uh, five years, <laughs> but it's not been five years solid. It's like I, I got the Kickstarter, raised did raise the money, mm -hmm. and then had the basic concept how we were going to do it. I, I mentioned um, on that on the the Zoom call, which we'll, we'll get to uh, the uh, the convention promotion thing at some point to let people know because um, it's really cool but um uh we had the whole thing planned out like you know he's going to interview me because we did we tried it out and i'm going to tell him the information i intuitively knew about the paintings but we got all that done we got all the text done and i was like i just shut down like i could not figure out i couldn't understand like he, he mike Carell, the guy who did the the writing he broke it down into sec classes and types of beings and their social status and, and you know after all this information was gathered and i could not i couldn't do it for like you know years i was i was trying i was printing everything out and trying to arrange it and it's just like i i could not make the connection i just couldn't see it i couldn't see it is what it was because i'm you know very visual i have to see things in order for them to make sense like see things on a graph in a certain way and um i couldn't see it so i was just struggling with it and then i had to start working and you know keep the money coming in to pay my bills so then it's like oh i'd have to put it down for a few months and then i'd pick it back up and be like, okay, this week I'm working on it. And then I'd forgotten all the stuff I had kind of figured out back then. And then I got to a point eventually where I just was like, it just clicked. I don't even know. It just clicked. I was like, oh, I finally get it. Ah. <laughs> that was about like four years ago or three and a half years ago. And I was like, I get it. I see it now. I can see the book. And then once we could see it, then we, uh, I, I went to the graphic designer and I'm like, okay, this is how it's going to be. And we just got what will probably be the final edit, um, last night. Oh, wow. Yeah. And so now this weekend, Mike and I are going to go through and make sure there's no things that need to be corrected. And I think there might be a couple here and there, but it looks so good. I'm, I'm so excited about it. It's very yeah. re rewarding, but man, it's been a nightmare. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it takes a lot of effort. 
Well, you know, I have about a hundred paintings so far for kind of this this world that I'm oh, great. fully building. Maybe they, it's not just one world, but it's multi-planetary, I guess, the idea. Is it like the uh, the science fiction paintings on your website? Is that part of it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah those definitely. are so cool. Those are amazing. Well, thank you. Yeah, I, I've i always been fascinated, again, as I go and, and, and look at these old civilizations and kind of what's going on with them. And I've always liked that idea of the, like, panspermia where, right. you know, microbes are floating around the universe and maybe that's, you know, how yeah, yeah. Or, but this idea that there's layers and layers of more ancient civilizations, right? Yeah, I love the idea of an ancient alien civilization. That's just so fascinating. Oh, the, totally. The, the the thought of that um, in the way that we love Egypt, right? Right. It's it's so incredibly fascinating, otherworldly in in so many ways, and the art is so incredible. And anyway, that's 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 something that's personally really kind of been fascinating for me and something that I want to work on. Uh, of course, uh, you know, Alien, uh, the Alien franchise kind of delves into that mm-hmm. a little bit. Yeah. Uh, to some degree. And, uh, but I think there's a lot more that could, it could go in a lot of different ways uh, and that haven't really been explored yet. Oh, yeah. It's wide open, really. With current, you know, things that we're understanding more scientific advancement, you know, exoplanets that we're seeing, we're getting more examples of what, types of worlds are actually out there. Right. Uh, so there's, there's definitely some new, um, things that, that I'm kind of excited along with all these kind of older ideas that are yeah. right planet earth. Yeah. I love the idea. I've, I, I often thought about the idea of an ancient civilization on earth that was so old that there's nothing left and nobody knows about it. Like before yeah. everything, <laughs> you know, it's... I, I was reading an article last night in um, the National Geographic and it was talking about an area in uh, New Mexico. And they're, what they're doing is um, actually it wasn't a, it, it was an article about salt. Salt mm. has this ability to you can kind of seal things that are really toxic hmm. using salt. Weird. Uh, and so they're that's what they're going to do with all this kind of toxic waste. And it's going to take 240,000 years or something like that for it to become not toxic. Right. And so they were thinking like, okay, what about 100,000 years from now? What kind of – and somebody stumbles on it. What kind of language or icon do you say to say don't open this? <laughs> <laughs> right? Right. Because you know that there's going to be this constant language drift or you know, if who knows what it's going to be 100,000 100, right. years from now. But I thought that was just kind of an interesting thing in and of itself. Like, yeah, what does it look like at hundred thousand years from now here on Earth? What do we look back at our time? And right. Um, oh yeah. I think they're are very very interesting. Yeah, I mean, do you do a skull and crossbones? Is is a skull gonna? What are our skulls gonna look like in hundred thousand years? Right. Right. <laughs> it, could be, it could be very different looking. Uh, you know, you even see like in you know, South American culture, there's that time where the, you know, the, the skull was right. for certain reasons. Um, you know, does technology advance to, you know, this cyborg kind of singularity that, you know, people are predicting in Silicon Valley, right. That changed skull shape or right. what happens with all of that. Um, it's kind of fun to just do these, basically it's a thought experiment, right? Yep. And, and those are really fun to do to kind of, like if this was taken to an extreme X, Y, and Z, 
what does that mean for humanity? What does that mean for planet Earth? What does it mean for civilization? And, um, you know, of course, there's been a lot of ideas presented, but new advancements will always present some, you know, reality is way stranger than any sort of fiction that we can kind of come oh, up yeah, with. Yeah, yeah. And things, you know, as much as things are predicted and, you know, they say history repeats, it's like something different always comes up and it's never nothing in my, in my life. Personally, I always think about like how every year I was, I was a super shy kid. And every year at the end of the year, I'd be scared to go into the next grade because I was so shy and it was new, especially if it was like going from grade school to junior high or junior high to high school. And it was never the thing I was afraid of never happened. And it was never what I thought it was going to be. And it sure it was uncomfortable, but it was ne- it's like it's almost kind of pointless to, I guess I'm more in the in the uh, talking about the area of worrying about things in the future. It's kind of pointless to worry about things because they're never, you know, they're never I, what they're never what you imagine. They're never it never happens the way that the worst way that you think. And because it, it, now I think about death all the time because yeah. I'm like you know I'm getting older and my parents are dead and it's like okay I'm next and so. I could sit and worry about it or I could just go, you know what? It's probably going to be so much different than I could possibly imagine. And so I'm not going to worry about it. You know, you worry about like health in a certain level and then you die in a totally completely different way. Right. (laughs) You're in a museum and something, you know, just something strange. Who knows? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. That's, that's definitely true. Well, and, you know, you look at uh, Back to the Future, right? And it's predictions that it made about right. the future. And, you know, this idea of, you know, the cell phone in our pocket wasn't part of that. Right. The flying car that was like the big thing that we were going to have, yeah. right? <laughs> and we're as far away from a flying car as, you know, we're still very far away from that. But there are other things like the cell phone. I mean, what an amazing, you know, thing that is that, Nobody saw coming, really. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's 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 amazing. I think about it all the time. It's amazing. I mean, it's ama- It's like it's it's basically a mini computer that you always have with you. It's like who? No one ever imagined it would be a phone, though. That the the and and a computer. It's yeah. like you know. I don't well, know. Yeah. It's a trip. <laughs> you know, in the fantasy genre, it's it really often revolves around powerful magical objects, right? Right. And, um, you know, whether it's an orb of some sort or, you know, the ring of power or whatever it is, and we've got it. It's a phone. I know. (laughs) I know. You can know it. You, we, we can know pretty much anything generally. Yeah. Anytime we want just by looking it up. I mean, I'll pretty much, you know, every, everything in human knowledge is basically out there. Most of it, it seems like, and you could just look it up anytime, anything you want to know about. Yeah, I mean, it's what kings, emperors would have dreamed of having. (laughs) (laughs) Yet somehow we're still discontent, you know, to some degree. Yeah, 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 and everything's still completely fucked up. (laughs) (laughs) It just goes to show. Well, and that's that's one of the reasons, uh, you know, go back into this idea of the science fiction stuff. I I like it just in the way that I I like, I think it's important in the way that humor is important. Mm Mm-hmm. The only way to, you know, with satire and like politicians, mm-hmm. you know, one of the only ways to show people that are kind of totally, you know, brainwashed and whatever thing they're right. brainwashed in to maybe see like how ridiculous, you know, a politician or something, their comments are, satire does that. 
on the yeah. same same token like in science fiction i think what is what is great about that is it can reveal by taking something that we're doing currently and you know like you know the avatar film obviously in some ways is like a high-tech pocahontas story right or you know they come to the sorry about that no problem um so basically you're taking this idea of you know industrialization and, and destroying natural environments and stuff to a to this like major extreme right it's happening in our you know in our right here right in front of us but by having it in that sort of setting in an otherworldly way we can kind of somehow see it better right yeah and to, and, and and so it's interesting how at least the elite uh, movie people or artists or art establishment kind of discounts uh, some of the science fiction and fantasy things in right. a lot of ways, right? Yeah. Uh, it, it, it's, it's showing how important it is into the human psyche because it's so popular. Obviously, right. you know, the, you know, the top grossing movies are like we yeah. said, are all science fiction fantasy because it, there's something about that kind of escapism, but teaching some sort of, idea or moral or logical conclusion to something we're doing currently um it it has a it has a great purpose it has a you know since right. the the greek times the greek right. play right it's Homer Im- Iliad, yep. right and um i think kind of going to some of the things that you you do and you're involved in with the monsters right there's represent the kind of the monster in all of us yeah right it goes back you know Back forever. Back forever. It's it was it was a thing, and it's like now it's not a thing anymore. To with with the art establishment, I guess is uh, is what right. what uh, I guess the whole point of this dark art society concept is like we, we feel dri- you know artists that are d- making creatures and dark artwork and, and and stuff. It's like we we just have you know we just have this. We're driven to do it. Just that's what we love. We don't know yeah. why. And so we do it and, um, but that's, it's almost like that's not good enough to the establishment, but you know, as we're saying, we're both discussing here, it's like, it's coming out for a reason. Um, it needs to be seen for whatever reason, you know, you can let everyone else figure out why, but we're, our job is to put it out and do it. And so it's like, uh, um, Al, you know, Alex Gray, Alex Gray. No, no. Alex Gray is like he's the the king of the visionary artists, like the psychedelic. I'm sure you've seen his stuff. It's uh, he did all a bunch of stuff for the band Tool, which is a band I work with a lot. Like the the you see through the people. They're like you can see their veins and muscles and electricity. You know, that's Alex Gray. Yes. Okay. Yeah. And and so, um, digital artist, right? What's that? Digital artist? No, no, no. He's traditional. He's like, yeah, he's a painter. His stuff's amazing, though. It's it's amazing. It's mind blowing. He's it's super psychedelic. It's like he paints trip visions, basically. But he's very spiritual. He's he's a Buddhist. Like a, he studied at a Buddhist monastery for years, and he's like a, the real deal. But um, in the in the I like to paint monsters. The documentary that Mike Carell, that writer of the dystopia book, made about me. He got. We were lucky enough to catch him for an interview at this event we were both at. And he, uh, he, uh, he said the coolest thing about my paintings. I, don't, I hate to even say it because it sounds like I'm bragging that Alex Gray said something complimentary about my work. But the point, the point being is that he said this, and I never thought of it like this before, but he said, it's like these things 
need to be seen. They want to be seen. And so they're like, be, there's a reason they need to be seen. There's like, there's a warning or there's something that needs to be said that people need to look at. And so my paintings were kind of felt like that. Like there are these things that need to be put out there. So it's like almost like this thing is driving me to make them. It's like, you know, and if you think about the world, how crazy it is, it's like, you know, that it's, I say if, if nothing else, the dark artwork is, is, um, it's, uh, it's relevant to how trouble everything is right now. You know, it's very, relevant yeah, <laughs> yeah no it, and it's, it's a yeah, reflection it's a of the time to, i guess yeah a way to show kind of an element of reality and it and like you like we've kind of talked about you know from cave paintings onward there's been an element of that yes i know and part of it is we also you know we're born with a certain amount of fears to keep us alive you know right. evolution shows that there's also certain shapes uh that kind of strike fear just from infancy right that we have, um, you know, I have a couple animals. We have a little bit of a small farm in our backyard. Oh, how cool. And, uh, our ducks are always looking their head up to see, you know, the hawk or whatever. Right. Like genetic they, memory they have. Chicks. They just, they have that instinct. <laughs> so weird. Look up, even though if, even if, if, even if they're a mile up, I mean, they're just a speck <laughs> they're up at them. What a trip. So, uh, I remember I was kind of messing around in a, in this old uh, place in uh, Italy, I lived in Italy for a couple of years, and I picked up this rock. It was a it, this was Hadrian's villa, and um, I don't know why I did it, but I picked up this rock. It, I was in kind of this kind of alcove, and it wasn't. Um, I, I'm sure the park now is more established, and there's like guardrails and things like that. But this was very, like you were really just walking in the ruins. Right. It's up, and then underneath scorpion a scorp- like a giant black scorpion oh my god scorpion yeah <laughs> the the physical response that i had to that black scorpion was it was just so strong and even though i mean a scorpion yeah sure it could sting you but it was just this shape right and it's it's character and so there's it just it just showed me it just taught me that like there's just kind of this biological response that is just kind of deep inside of us where we see certain shapes, we see certain colors, right? Um, uh, that we know, and not only not only humans, but other animals also I know. know. It's a trip. Don't eat or be aware of you know what I what I am. Um, you know whether it's a skunk with the stripes or right. And so this that's is definitely a part like you talk about with the dark arts. This is, you know, most of the animals in the animal kingdom are unless you're the apex predator, you're going to get eaten. Mm-hmm. Right? <laughs> And so that's kind of a reality, um, right? And whether it's the hierarchy of you know alpha male on down in human nature, or the alpha male in in whatever uh, animal or plant kingdom you're in, there that's a reality of how you know evolution needs to work. And so I find that that um, you know it's an interesting aspect of reality, right? Yeah, and it's 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 valid for that reason. You know, it's that I, I I think I mean this is all the chip I have on my shoulder about the dark art thing. It, it's and not being taken seriously by the art establishment. It's like, you know, I always make the comparison. Why is fruit okay to? Why is fruit legitimate, but a weird monster not legitimate? To me, they're both the same thing. They're they're both like 
va- they're both as valid. They're both equally as valid of a subject matter. But, you know, one gets preferential treatment just because who knows why? Because it's, right. it's it doesn't well, it, even it, and it's interesting when I was younger painter, I always kind of searched for the one true way of painting. Right. I think right? we all we all go through that. <laughs> yeah. And, and a lot of people still stay in it. Right. Right. To some degree, they're staying into this idea of this is great art. This sucks, you know. Right. Right. And there's always that hierarchy. The more the the older I get and the more experience I I get more agnostic about that idea of that right. there's the true great way because there's so many facets of reality, there's so many cultures, there's so many perspectives. Totally. And and nowadays as we're becoming more and more aware that certain cultures, entire cultures or entire classes of individuals have been subverted to some degree by mm-hmm. other more powerful things we're realizing that uh we're missing out on a lot of the diverse range of things that we could be experiencing right um and so i know i've you know even with the plein air genre been accused uh along with like grouped is like oh they all look the same right right all looks the same or that group all right um and that's um you could say that the same thing with the establishment, you know, the, the people that are in the highest museums, the Damien Hearst, mm-hmm. the Jeff Coons and all those people. Oh, well, they're all the same too. Right. You know, as long as it's absurd, something absurd. And then it has a really long explanation. Right. <laughs> right. To, to describe why it's so amazing and so intellectually right. you know, savvy. Uh, yeah, whatever, you know, yeah, <laughs> But but they, you can do that because there is an elite stat or elite group of wealth that kind of right coalesce around certain certain areas, and that's what kind of really boils down to right. A lot of There's about you know a thousand influential people or entities that dictate what is at the very top, and that's what's kind of fascinating right now about the NFT space and what Beeple the Beeple sale has done in upending right. Uh, the establishment by yeah. becoming third highest paid price for a single work of art. Yeah, it's amazing. It's it's in some ways legitimized all this science fiction, fantasy, mm-hmm. horror, or whatever because right. people it grabs all that stuff. Yeah, right? yeah, it's true. And it's all of a sudden legitimized it. So it'd be interesting. It's going to be interesting to see what that does to the. You know, not not only just right now because the NFT stuff is going crazy, but uh, and for those of you who don't know, it's a non fungible token. It's a digital currency. It's part of the blockchain, and that's yep. where we're buying this this art. Um, did, I did an episode on it <laughs> on crypt, crypto and NFTs and blockchain. I think people know it by now. Yeah, yeah. But um, that's we're going to see you know repercussions of this down through the you know down the years uh, just. Also, uh, digital art, you know, having a lesser status to some degree to that's, being raised. Yeah, that's one of, yeah, that's one of the coolest things to come out of that whole uh, the Beeple thing and the NFT thing is like, you know, digital digital artists have always been kind of screwed in that way. And I, I was doing digital art. I Before I started painting, I was really into digital art and uh, 3D animation and making animated loops. Stuff, you know, I've said it again on the podcast, stuff that would be amazing as nfts but there but it was in 2000 2000 you know it was like the 2000 
I think I, I put a DVD out of a bunch of animations I did for for Tool for their live shows that were all th- dark 3D animations, and um, in 2004. And then I was like, oh, I, I burned myself out on digital. And there was nothing to, you couldn't really do anything with it other than make paper prints, which are cool, limited editions. And I did some of that, but, you know, not having the original and all, all of that stuff really right. um, puts you at a disadvantage. And so I kind of went, I moved to, to oil painting, which I'm glad I did because I, I love it. I, don't, I can't imagine anything being more fun than painting in oils. I feel like I could do it the rest of my life keep doing what I'm doing. I'll never get bored of it. Um, yeah. But at the same time, I felt like I, I, I had all this, I have all this amazing stuff I think is really good. That's digital. And now there's something I could do with it now with the NFT thing. And, and so for all the digital artists, it's, it's this whole new world has opened up for them. They're finally getting a place to like be legitimized, I guess, in, in the, in a way, even though yeah. it's amazing. There's so many amazing digital artists that are just like, it's incredible. There's some of them are so so good. Yeah, yeah, totally. And and know how to use tools in a way that just enhances that creativity, almost right. like a, cy- a cyborg, right? You're right. Kind of like are the human part and there's the AI part that <laughs> combined together can do these really incredibly complex. Um, you know, one guy reminds you kind of Android Jones, if you know his right. work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's connected with Alex Gray too. So I, I, I wondering, yeah, they're 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 in the same kind of same space yeah Scene, yeah totally but um that's kind of the idea behind uh, uh the vision x live uh conference is that you know it's bringing together people without this idea of this hierarchy that's what i'm so excited about i feel so fortunate to have been invited through or you know through the trekkel association it was uh I feel really fortunate because, you know, maybe you could explain that, uh, what it is, because I, I think it's, you know, we're doing these conference calls about, you know, letting, helping for all the artists to meet each other. And it's like, it's so cool to be in a space like that where no one's, it doesn't feel like there's a hierarchy at all. It just feels like they're all artists and, they, and everyone that respects each other on an equal level and and it's like you know we're so we're used to being in our spot on the on the on the ladder just because of the way things are in yeah. society the art world and stuff so yeah could you talk a little bit about um what it is and yeah so what it's going to be yeah the idea is exactly that you know with uh so vision x live is a virtual conference um obviously because of covid we can't get together uh but and it's also a global conference so it's it'd be hard to orchestrate this in person, but you know, the technology now allows us to do these, you know, big virtual conference like this where we're getting people all over the world and not just usually, you know, I've attended a lot of conferences over the years and I intentionally don't just go to, you know, the plain air conference. Right. I have been, you know, I've been many times, (laughs) you know, and, but I've intentionally gone to other conferences. We talked about a LuxCon. I've been to different comic cons. I've been to, um, uh, conferences that are, you know, just on portraiture or just on, uh, animation mm-hmm. like CTN, CTN X conference or Lightbox and stuff like that. But the thing is, is there's that always been that problem of after you see about three or four or five presentations, it's all kind of the same mm-hmm. after, right? Right. And 
what I think is way more interesting is to have something much more dynamic and cross pollination of different genres. And so that you're not getting every thing, the same thing, you know, the same right. kind of presentation. you're getting a mixture. You're going to present something totally different than what I'm going to present or somebody that's, you know, in the film industry. And, and so I think that is much more exciting, interesting, dynamic. Also, it's not all just white males, right? Right, right. <laughs> we want to have, you know, a broader perspective of, of people of different cultures so that speak different languages, see the world differently. Absolutely. And that, that kind of thing, that's what, it, that's what excites me about this conference is, is having that. And, and just the attitude of, hey, I can come here and I can learn something from anyone. And it's for the intellectually curious and the creative person. If you're all after just a certain dogma, and you know we both know those artists, those kinds of people that are just like, right. this is great art in the world. You know, if, if I only study at the Florence Academy and it, <laughs> and I'm not to not to bag on Florence Academy, but um, you know that there there can be people that have a certain mindset, and then everything else is crap. It's right. just their true way. It's a, kind of elitist, really. Yeah, I think. yeah. That's not, that's not what this is about. This right. is about inclusion. It's about cross-pollination. And so that's that's what's really exciting about it. That's what make the, makes this very different from any other conference that's ever been done, I think, in the world. So in a way, it's, it's kind of historic. Yeah. Yeah. It seems yeah. very uh, of the times, too. Just not, not just because of COVID and the pandemic, but uh, 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 the, 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 the way the world is all connected now. You know, it's time. This is the way things should be where they're just you're just getting influence from all over the world. I mean, that's that's the great thing about the Internet and being connected is that you get you could connect with all these different cultures, share ideas well, and not being uh, like you say, the elitist idea, being open, breaking down barriers right. up like when we're building walls and barriers and things like that. You know, I think artists have an opportunity to do just the opposite. Right. And. and you know, I you know you, I've often used the example of being invited to go to China, even though U.S. and Chinese relations have been strained mm-hmm. um, for many years. You go over there, and you've been there. You live there, man. They just love. Oh yeah, Americans and we, you know, just it's so easy to talk to them, and and there's... or as long as you can communicate, at least with sign right. language, you know. <laughs> and there's there's just like that, you know, that desire to uh, connect and interact. It's not. You know the governments kind of always have their issues, right? But, you know, but the people, yeah, yeah, you, yeah, you. It's so that's why I think it's as much as I, I hate personally. I don't like to travel. I'm a super homebody. I'm so happy in my studio. It's like I really don't need anything more than to be in my studio painting. I just, I'm just happy all the time if I could do that. But um, I, I, I was I, I had to travel um, because I used to work in the film industry. So I, that's why I went to China and I went to Italy, worked in Italy, and I've been all over the place through work. And it was really great. And it's so important. Everyone should try and travel because you realize every time it's like, oh, people are all the same. It's it's yeah. it's such a cliche, but it's so true. When you go and you see it, it's like they're just like everybody else. I, I've never I've never heard of someone going to another country and being like, oh, all the people are assholes. It's like you always hear they're just basically generally like us with yep. with it's like different flavors of human you know yeah. the, the basics basis the basics are all the same people are generally good and happy to meet you and they want to learn about you and, and it's like it's it's healthy for for a human being i think 
to travel. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think one of the things too is realize maybe not all the good ideas are only in your country. Right. Right? <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's some good ideas and you know, you'll try some food somewhere else and you're like, Oh my gosh, where has this been all right, my life? Right. Exactly. Or just a way that they, um, you know, there's some advantages to chopsticks, right? Right. <laughs> you know, fork, knife, and spoon don't quite uh, right. stack up. And it, it's a way. It's 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 a it's a different way of thinking about things too, which is really interesting. It's like they think about. It's just you know, you can you really see the difference between Eastern cultures and Western cultures. It's like they even spirituality, Eastern spirituality versus Western sp- spirituality. It's like they're both saying the same thing. And again, another cliche. They're both kind of saying the same thing, but they they just have a different way of seeing it. It's yeah. so, it's a trip. It's like you, you know, you look at Buddhism and Christianity, and it's like if you if you back up far, far far enough, it's like it's basically saying the same thing. It's just presenting it from an Eastern mindset and or presenting it from a Western mindset. It's just a different perspective. It's so important to to just see all these different perspectives. Yeah, and you kind of appreciate your own. Sometimes it's you know it's like the the goldfish idea where you don't realize you're swimming in water mm-hmm. and going into another culture. Um, at least you know when I went over to China, watched the artists there. Where here we have a status that watercolor is maybe a little bit lower, mm-hmm. golden oil. Uh, there it's opposite. Right. It's like <laughs> yeah. Higher oil is like eh, okay. And that's so funny. You know, learn, I've learned a lot, you know, from the watercolor painters that are there in China or Taiwan, because I mean, they're just doing some just in, in beautiful, amazing work. Yeah. And uh, it's inspired me in, in some ways to even take my oils and use them a little bit more like watercolor. Mm-hmm. But that's had an influence on like the science fiction stuff I've done and also some of the cityscapes and things where I'm, I'm using it in a very wet way, a lot right. of terrain or linseed oil or something to kind of just get it really kind of wet flowy and loose um and um you know i wouldn't experience that if i didn't kind of go out there and see it from a new new perspective new idea new vantage point and um you know get an experience like that right so that even talking with you this is it's i think it's much more interesting than you know if i was talking with another plain air painter and we're just kind of saying right you know <laughs> about all the time right right um you know having this kind of uh dialogue i think is is much more fascinating yeah right? i agree uh, just because yeah we, we bring maybe a little bit more uh different different perspectives and stuff to right. the to the to the space um and that's uh that's just you know really fun really really exciting to do yeah so cool. yeah that's the idea behind uh, vision x live is is that kind of conference and and, you know, we didn't even know the NFT space was going to have was going to happen yet, you know, explode like it did. And so that just adds another layer of it, because not only are traditional painters trying to find and cultivate collectors and do the gallery scene. Mm-hmm. Now, digital artists are kind of in that space mm-hmm. of cultivating. And you know, I had a, um, a long talk with a friend of mine, John Park, who's an excellent concept artist. Yeah, he I know his stuff. Working on the Avatar sequels, and he founded Brainstorm School. Excellent, excellent artist. But we were just t- chatting a little bit because you know he's never had to work, f- or he was never doing work for a collector, always for a client. Right. And just the mindset changes when you basically you only just have to satisfy you, and then 
potentially one single collective (laughs) rather than you know the movie yeah yeah i went through that when i first got out of the film industry to become a painter i was it was like i didn't i didn't know what to do i was it was really i was like okay i did it i got to the point where i could do this i wasn't quite out of the business yet but at that point i knew i was gonna i was committed and I, I, I kind of drew a blank. It's like, oh, I can do anything. I don't have someone giving me a starting point, giving me a little box to work in. And it really kind of messed with me for a little bit. And it's scary. It's like, oh, no. <laughs> what if I can't think of anything on my own? And then I just then I just had to go back to the way I used to draw when I was a kid, which is just doing it for doodling for fun. You know, no one told you what to draw when you were a kid. You just did what you just yeah. messed around and played. And so I tried to just approach the work in the spirit of play always. You know, and that 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 was a way I was able to get the ball rolling, and then I'd see certain things selling. I'm like, oh, I'm going to go kind of more in that direction. Yeah, and then you kind of you start to develop that um, group or that tribe of people that like your work, and you mm-hmm. kind of get to know them. You get into right. this, um, you know, and even this the, the podcast you're doing, the Dark Art Society. You kind of give it a a title and identity, right? And, and it coalesces and really that's how any anything started right right whether it's impressionists or you know go back to the realist movements or you know the uh renaissance era or yeah just it's all started in that same way right i mean that was the idea it was like i i being um uh paint doing the kind of dark stuff i was doing and getting involved in the tattoo community which are really into dark art like seriously, they're like way into it. It's normal. It's like normal art for them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just like sure. the way it is for me. It's like the thing to, that's kind of normal for me are these things that most people, or not most people, a lot of people are sort of like, uh, that's weird. But to me, it's just I see it as cool and beautiful or whatever. But um, I was just I was looking around. It was during the 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 production of the documentary, uh, and Mike and I were talking because the documentary kind of starts out about me and it ends up being about the whole dark art movement, really. Because we're realizing that's the bigger story here is that there's this huge movement that that doesn't have any it's like not coalesced in any way it's it's everyone's scattered all over the world and there's nothing to like rally people together but people a lot of people there's a lot of artists and a lot of fans of this kind of artwork so that's how the podcast started because it's like well maybe we can give you know uh, just to settle on what everyone's calling it, which a lot of people don't like, but we'll call it dark art because that's what everybody calls it anyway, because it doesn't have a name. But that's sure. one thing. When you hear it, you know what they're talking about. <laughs> it's easy to remember. It might not be the coolest name in the world, but, you know, what's in a name? The The, the work makes the name cool, not the name doesn't make the work cool. Yeah. So it's like, we'll settle on the name, start a podcast, and just start showing people how great these artists are in this scene that's kind of underground sort of and so uh yeah and it's really grown uh it's grown and it's cool because it's again it's 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 sort of giving dark artists a a place in the art world to feel like oh i'm not illegitimate i'm not doing you know this is this is it's okay to do this kind of work and so for uh for me to be involved in the conference uh was is like I think it's good for the whole community because yeah. it's like, it's like letting some of, you know, it's like letting that, the, the dark art into the real art world. 
kind of, you know, because everyone is such a high caliber and a lot of you guys are accepted by the, uh, the main street art world as like legitimate. And so for me to gain it, I feel like, Oh, it's, this is good for the movement. You know, it's good for the movement. So it, and, and, and it will bring a play and it brings an important flavor right into the movement so that, you know, cause like in my, uh, at least in my genre with the, the plain air painting, sometimes, you know, my critique is that some of the stuff is too happy, right? <laughs> it's always the same kind of the same mood, right? Right. That's why, you know, delving into maybe some of the street scenes, some of the night stuff, mm-hmm. and a little bit more of a deeper mood, right? right. Um, there's a lot more moods to express than just right. The happy sunset. Light. Yeah, exactly. Especially yeah. now, <laughs> yeah, right, right. especially nowadays like has some sincerity to it, you know? Obviously, there are those happy moments and those happy moods. But, yeah, yeah, absolutely. But there, but the genre could be helped by a broader. Yeah, it, but, yeah. As with everything, both ends of the spectrum help the other. You know, the contrast. Having yeah. dark work with light work. Light work is it's meaningless without the dark work, and dark yeah. work is meaningless without the light work. It's like shadow and light give each other meaning. It's like you have to have them both, and. So it's it's good and healthy and uh, exciting. It's interesting about um, just human nature, though. There there is a counter or a, uh, a force that kind of goes against this idea of what we're talking about of inclusion, no right. hierarchy, things like that. There's also you know a strong sense of tribalism that is part of human nature. Right. You know whether it's um, you know, Palestine or Israel, Republicans, Democrats, yep. or whatever it is, right? There are, you know, this desire to want to belong to yeah. a group and, hate the group and demonize the other group. I know um, it's intrinsic. And so, anyway, this this uh, that happens in art too, right? You know, even, even back in the 17th, 18th century, there was uh, more expressive and there was more classical, like right. classical romantic, you know, and the artists hated each other. Right. You know? <laughs> little bit of back and forth but because of that dynamic it made that art period way more interesting right yeah 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 it's but true we this opportunity now with the ability to connect is supersize that dialogue even more cross-pollination more interest you know it, it was it was an amazing um feat for you know the ability to go over to japan see these japanese prints and somebody like Degas was highly influenced by the Japanese print. I mean, it was just such an alien thing to see, right? right. But it made his work much more graphic. Uh, mm-hmm. And, you know, the, the composition yep. got a lot better because the, you know, the Japanese were composing at a whole different level than, you know, the European scene was composing. I mean, both were beautiful, but there's something about the stylization that was going on with right. the Eastern philosophy that, has in, men, in in a lot of ways triumphed over the naturalism mm-hmm. of the of right. the Europeans. You know, as we enter this the era of the modern era and beyond, some of those graphic qualities, the stylization and stuff, really, you know, Picasso kind of went that direction. He was influenced by the African right. things that were coming out of Africa and, and and wanting to push in in that kind of direction, and and that kind of took us into the abstract movement and right and so it kind of showed that there was you know as as art it keeps evolving that it's bringing in those new ideas that really kind of create something a little bit more 
more interesting and, and takes you takes us into the future. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's such a it's important. It's important. It's funny about um, the idea that it happens in the art world because you know I'm sure you feel this way, or I'm assuming I'm assuming most artists feel this way that art is kind of a sacred. It's like it's special. It's not like a regular thing. Like you know. People like different cars. It's like it's it, there's something. It's like it like spiritual. It's the same with with religion. It's like it's it's people. You know, it, it's we we believe that it's it's special and it's more than just uh, a thing, an occupation. It's got a deeper thing, it's right? Oddity, right? It's, yeah, yeah. As much as you know, it, we're selling work and stuff. It, we're still. I don't know anybody that's an artist to make money. It's like if if anything. You're an artist because you love it, and you figure out how to make money with it if you're lucky. <laughs> yeah. But um, uh, uh, yeah, so it seems like it shouldn't happen in that arena, but it does, and it is because it's human nature. Um, but it's ironic because it makes all art better when we can cross pollinate and learn from each other. You know, yeah. it's 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 I I uh, it's. It's part of the reason um, <clears throat> I have artists that aren't dark on the Dark Art Society podcast because it's like it started off as a way for dark artists to kind of come together and feel part of the group, which is that tribal um, thing, we, the desire we all have. But at the same time, I would never want it to become exclusionary and like only dark art is good. And so it's like I have all kinds of different artists on also because the more yeah. you talk to different artists, you realize whether it's people – doing monster stuff or kind of really dark stuff or happy stuff or, you know, whatever, all different artists, they're always saying the same thing. It's like, they're always motivated by the same thing. They're just trying to make something cool and it's fun to do and they just feel driven to do it. And yeah. so that, you know, that should be the thing that unites all, all artists and uh, anything beyond that is like, like I said, with humans in different parts of the world, it's just like different flavors. Why wouldn't you want to have more flavors to yeah. enjoy? You know, you don't do You just don't want it to become stale. Right. Exactly. I mean, how many times can you eat a box of macaroni and cheese in a row? You know, how many days before you're right. just seems great die. at first. <laughs> and then after a couple of weeks, it's like, I hate macaroni and cheese. <laughs> and that's, that's what it, it, it just really comes and, and so it's interesting though, that these forces like, you know, tribalism to some degree today is is considered maybe a bad thing to some, but mm -hmm. it's also a good thing because it, it right. creates strength, right? Yeah, there's a strength there, and it, it, if you don't coalesce around an idea, it'll never kind of go anywhere. Right. So exactly, you're not trying to kill the tribes; you're just trying to get the tribes to play together. Exactly, appreciate each other. Yeah, you're trying to make peaceful tribes <laughs> <laughs> that all form into one giant tribe. That's right. Yeah, sub tribes. <clears throat> Yeah, and if if, uh, if we can do anything, you know, as as artists to kind of help and make that happen, I think yeah, it's right? a more interesting and, and beautiful place, right? Yeah, we should lead by example. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and that's where it has its power and its use. Like, you know, I have accountants. I have a lot of clients that are accountants, and, you know, they joke with me about being useless. <laughs> <laughs> what you do know? you mean? Just in terms of like, you know, you can't do anything. Like, I'm not ever going to call you for help on, you know, a painting emergency or something right. like that. <laughs> you need help on like saving some money or, you know, with, uh, you know, how to invest in the stock market or, right. you know, that or, 
and even doctors too. Like, yeah, you never get calls for, you know, emergencies on getting help or, and right. you know, we just, we just laugh about that. Right. Right. But, but in a way that the, the artist's role is to make those observations to make life in a lot of ways worth living mm-hmm. because you're, you're making it interesting, exciting, right. beautiful. Um, you're reminding people how amazing life actually is because, because yeah. every day it's like, there's so much drudgery in life there. It's, it's hard to be alive. It's, 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 a, it's a lot of work to main, to maintain, to maintain this, <laughs> but just, just to eat and do all the stuff you got to do and right. do your job. It's like, but, but really it's a miracle and it's incredible. It's amazing. It's the craziest, most it's beyond words. Reality is beyond words. It's so amazing. And so I think artists kind of just remind people, Hey, you're living in a miracle. You don't forget your life is, is, is at an absolute miracle and it, and it, and it's incredible and it's beyond words. So I'm going to paint a picture to remind you that. (laughs) Totally. So I, um, one of the things that I painted a series of during COVID as kind of a way of like documenting, you know, the period of COVID was mm-hmm. a series of sourdough bread. <laughs> a very simple object, right? Is there's, I mean, it's ubiquitous. Right. Same time. I mean, thousands, millions of people were learning how to make sourdough. That's hilarious. That's so funny. Everybody I know was making sourdough. Totally. Yeah. Everybody was. <laughs> pictures. I've been so proud of it and, and all of that. And that's a great idea. It reminds, remind, like it, it's, and I'll look back at that time period and, and people will that, you know, they collected my work during this time period. It was like, that was kind of unique. And, you know, th- there were actually some things that I learned, you know, as long as I didn't die of COVID, you know, right. feel bad about all, you know, how many lives have been lost. But, you know, those of us that, that live on, there are, there's, there have also been a silver lining to some of this. Some of the things we've been able to kind of st- stop, kind of definitely take a, take a breather from all the travel or all the commitments we have yep. and stay, be home, you know, work in the yard or, you know, just the things that we're doing right. or kitchen. And, uh, anyway, to me, it, it represents a lot of that, just this kind of simple bread series. And I know, it, you know, I just had somebody yesterday, he came up to me cause I'd never met him, but he said, Hey, I, I saw your shirt, you know, it says Strata on it. He knows I, you know, I have the company Strata easel. Oh wow! Air, the plain air company. Wow! So it's the plain air equipment and stuff. But yeah, I didn't know that was your company. That's crazy. Yeah. So he uh, he came up to me and said, "Hey, I brought one of your bread paintings." And you know, he's a uh, you know, we were talking about the finance people. You know, he manages accounts. Does it sounds like from what he was telling me, it's a really boring job. <laughs> yeah, I've just really loved following when you do these challenges. You know, we do we sponsor these challenges where people paint from life every single day. Right for the month of January or the month of September. Mm-hmm. And um, that's where I did a lot of these kinds of paintings. And uh, he just said, you know, that just really helped me get through like some of these hard months, just being excited about right. seeing what created that day. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Yeah. That's so cool. So there, there's kind of a, a little kind of modest example of, of uh, how that has been, you know, kind of a positive force. Right. I know, We've had a couple people tell us that they've actually gone through chemo during one of these challenges and have done at least a little painting or drawing every day. Wow. During. 
and it literally they felt like you know kind of saved their life to do amazing do creative right a time where it just life really can suck right right that's amazing yeah. how cool so that's 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 what's so great about the arts right because life can really it can really suck yeah yeah and, and for some people more than others but if you can those little moments of creativity even <clears throat> periods of time where life is just really rough it just seems to be so yeah join other people's creativity yeah absolutely yeah yeah i i often tell um tell a story about the, the music i listened to um you know, right around the time I was trying to leave the film industry, I was so frustrated, hating it at that point, because I was, I, I could see, I was starting to sell work and I was, I could see how my life, how I wanted my life to be, but it was way up here and I was, and I felt like I was stuck. And um, hearing, uh, hearing um, specific music that was relating to how I was feeling, which was this kind of aggressive post punk stuff i was uh, i'm still i still just i like all kinds of music but at that time it's like i was listening to this band no means no a lot and it's like it just made me feel better yeah hearing this angry angry music it's like thank god i had that you know because it was so it was like i was really uh yeah it kind of just helps you get through that yeah it's like it made me feel like I, you know what it was because it was a lot of things at that time I was feeling kind of lost and kind of like the whole world was insane like everything was crazy and I didn't feel like am I, I like maybe I'm crazy for thinking that everything else is crazy but then I'd hear this music and the overall message is kind of coming from that same attitude you know it's talking about um, you know this it's presented in an aggressive way and talking about you know dark feelings and things like this and so it was like ah it made me feel like i'm not alone in this world like there's other people doing great artwork like this band here or this artist or whatever that 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 share my perspective and it, and it just made me feel better you know it was like maybe they're sharing those feelings maybe you're having too right exactly exactly not afraid to show them instead of just like kind of hiding and yeah. boiling pretending they don't exist which is the worst right. thing you can it do is honestly acknowledging hey this is kind of how i'm feeling <laughs> yeah yeah and it's okay yeah. and you're gonna be okay you know it's like it's okay to it's okay to feel bad yeah you know? it's okay to feel bad it's natural and and, and uh if you're and that's that's another cool thing thing i really do like about um why i like dark art as well is because you're taking um it's this this kind of alchemical thing you're doing, you're taking something that's bad and you're making it good. Like you're channeling kind of, you know, pain and, and trauma and things like that. And, and instead of just it being this big bummer, you're like channeling it into something beautiful. That's like, all of a sudden it's got value. It's beautiful. It makes people feel good to look at it. You know yeah. what I mean? Well, yeah, there's um, uh, a piece of music from um, Mozart where he, it's it's basically his last big uh, piece called Requiem. Mm -hmm. Basically, he's talking about death, right? It's all about death. Right. Through that, and it was written for a, a client, not necessarily for him, but in a lot of ways, I mean, he's he was dying. And so it was kind of his wow. funeral, right? I mean, yeah. he was in a really dark place, but it's so powerful. 
right. it's such a powerful piece of music that um, it's you know I, that's like one of the big, great the great and grand themes of art right is death right and, and deal with it yep you know and and how how difficult it can all be you know we you know our we have a couple of sheep and we had one die this week ah sorry to hear die we're trying to we're trying to help him you know I, i'm really getting good at giving shots right wow. now <laughs> everything but he's he's meaningful because we have a, a strong attachment to him you know right. and, and and love for him just you know like a like you do with a pet or mm-hmm. anything even though he's a you know a sheep not a lot of people bond to a sheep but i i would he's our, <laughs> black sheep, he's, uh, I'm, I'm bond to every animal i meet i've always been like that okay. since i was a kid so you don't have to tell me what's that i should I'm preaching to the choir here then. Yeah, right. But, it, but anyway, that, um, you know, kind of dealing with those feelings, you know, one of the things I first thought about is what I should do for, not only for me or the family is, you know, that our sheep that died, you know, I need to do a, a work of art right. of, of, of him and, um, you know, just kind of process, process that. Right. And that's, you know, that's an important part of it or even, a lot of people have told me because I painted the Cathedral of Notre Dame while it was on fire. Oh wow! And um, and you can see it on on my Instagram channel or my just. And when I painted it, I got different reactions. Some people were like, "Oh, thank you so much. That really kind of helps me kind of right. process." I was doing it process my grief. I painted it the day it happened wow. while it was happening. Amazing. I was just watching it on film and then just kind of like creating a a piece because of it because uh, you know I'd been there a lot and. I've been through a lot of cathedrals and they're just these powerful emotional things for yeah. me inspiring. And just to watch something, a masterpiece like this yep. go down in flames was just hard to process. But, um, you know, people had different reactions. Some people just really hated the fact that I did it. Right. Uh, but the large majority felt that, thank you. This is, this kind of helps me kind of right. process it. And, and since when I've had some people see it, you know, they, it actually, they, brings them to tears. Right. But, um, they're like, but even though I bring them, you know, it does that to them. They thank me for it. It's kind of interesting. Right. right? And so I think in a lot of ways, like what you're describing with the dark arts and things like that is it describes an emotion in a way that we can't describe it any other way. Right. (laughs) Right. Right. Is because you're, 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 you're sharing something, an emotion or thing like you're describing with the music you're listening to. That's the only way to reach, um, a person dealing with those kinds of feelings. Right. Right. right, That's why, that's why it lives on. And that's why there's, there's people that are are interested in a part of it and, and all that. Right. Yeah. That's why stuff like that continues, even though it doesn't get support from the, you know, even this band, even this specific band, it's like never were on any major labels or super independent. And, uh, but they have this huge cult following or not even a huge cult following, but a dedicated, devoted cult following. Yeah. And so it's like the, no matter what, the art will always live. It'll always, it'll come up from the lowest depths of society and poke through no matter what, because people are driven to do it, you know? Well, I mean, you look at you look at Marvel. You know, that was just a totally laughed at. Right. Know, the the dorkiest yeah. you know, on the planet. Now it's the. I know. 
franchise whatever by far right it was ne- yeah his comics were like a joke total joke you know right and it's totally changed yeah and and so there's always an ebb and flow there's obviously there's kind of that curve where people there's a certain kind of early adopters and you know people that kind of resonate with it like you say that cult following mm-hmm. whether it's burning man or right. you know, um following the grateful dead or yeah. whatever <laughs> right um but then you know, after time, you know, with perspective too, you start to realize, oh, wow, they were really onto something here and, um, in describing them. And they captured like this part of reality historically that perfectly. Right. Right. And that's why sometimes it does take maybe not in, in, in one in an artist's lifetime, but afterwards it takes that perspective of looking back to it. Right. Yeah. You know, like the Van Goghs, you know, Van Gogh was, they just thought he was just insane and, you know, doing crappy work. Right. Uh, it's just interesting how people sometimes need that time and that perspective too. Yeah. It's, it's the only, <clears throat> it's the only way to, also, it's the only way to prove that anything's good, <laughs> kind of it's like it takes time that's the only thing that is the you know the test of time it's the only real test of whether something is really good because if it is it will it will be people will with all that time and perspective it will still be considered good but yeah. you know a lot of stuff that's happening now especially musically and and it's not gonna no one's gonna remember so much of it in 50 years yeah it's just it's gonna be forgotten because it's not good yeah. Well, and where <laughs> it doesn't in the future era, it just doesn't gel with what's going on right. in, in the public consciousness. So that's, little- that's true. But I think that things that have quality, though, they do find they appreciation do. always. It seems yeah. like it. If if not now, eventually someone goes, oh, that was amazing. Like, uh, yeah. you know, like like Raymond Raymond's. What's that? The cream always rises to the top. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's like Raymond Scott. Do you know Raymond Scott, the guy who did the music for those old cartoons? It's like really, you know, uh, um, uh, the Bugs Bunny cartoons and stuff. It was... On Jerry and all that. It's 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 specifically... It was specifically like the Looney Tunes in the, like the 40, 50s, I think. You know, like... Uh, you know the you know that era i'm talking about it's like this wacky music it's like that was considered um just cartoon music it was done for cartoons and it's like you listen to it now and it's finally got an appreciation it the guy was like a total genius if you listen to his music now because my friend was got me into it i mean i'm not way way into it but he used to listen to it when i worked in effects and he he's considered a genius now, you know, and it's like it's because enough time has passed and people have realized. Uh, yeah. That- well, and I think part of it, too, is its legacy. Right. You know, like, uh, for example, Tron came out way, you know, early. It wasn't appreciated. Right. I, fact, saw, the I saw it in the theater. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And in fact, the director stopped directing. I mean, he, he makes he's he went to fine art. He's really. He and things like that. I didn't know that. Yeah, and so, it, it, but there's still this enduring, and also you know other science fiction that's come after right. it. It's not just the the sequel that they put out, but 
it's just some of those you know, this idea of science fiction and special effects and stuff like right, that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of enduring influence. So I think that's part of it too. Is there's that quality aspect, but there's also like what what is the artist that kind of sparks this new or or genre that kind of sparks this this ongoing you know right ology of 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 stuff and that's where you know you look at like picasso or cezanne cezanne's often considered the father of of abstract painting mm-hmm. so because because they look at him as kind of the father of that he becomes more he goes very important right right status becomes right higher since people look back to him right yeah and you're right so those that cream or the those people that people are, want to look back to or find themselves looking back to for inspiration i think they their status definitely rises over time in history yeah was it even wasn't a, a bugaro wasn't yeah. he considered like people didn't like him at the time because he was too I mean, he, he was. Uh, I I read that it, that he was considered kind of like too technical or or sort of like tacky or something like because yeah, the the but, people that were doing like this cutting edge stuff, it's like that stuff had already been done, and there were yeah. people were moving on, and it's like how how could anybody ever see one of his paintings and think that it's nothing? It's nothing but uh, like the most amazing paintings ever created it's just mind-blowing to me i mean i just think his stuff's amazing in that case you know in his example like he he fell from grace you know he was one of the top right of the establishment in the french academies then the impressionists came along with everything and things slowly shifted in part because also new collectors in america were the hottest thing and and they liked this new idea Uh, i see uh, and so the whole French thing became, as America rose in prominence and and stuff, the, the whole French stuff became hated at some point. You know, Bougarros were just thrown in the, the I back. Know, it's crazy. It's crazy. You know, even just 20, 30 years ago, you could buy a Bougarro for I know. a couple hundred thousand or 10,000 for right. small. Right, right. But it's it's through you know there's definitely been a resurgence and a rebirth in yeah. part as of a guy named Fred Ross who saw the quality in it and you know has helped kind of spearhead that. Oh, it, yeah. always, it always takes those kinds of people yeah. that have that influence to like rediscover somebody and 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 put them back on a pedestal. And so now, good luck buying a Bougarot nowadays. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> That's right. like uh, Sukalski, you know Sukalski, the sculptor. Um, mm-hmm. he, they, they had that a Netflix documentary on him a few years ago. Documentary on it. Yeah, on he's he was insane, but 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 uh, super talented, like really amazingly talented sculptor. And um, what was the? Oh, I can't think of the guy's name. Oh, it's on the tip of my tongue. But I remember when um, friends of mine were buying his sculptures because he was rediscovered by this art collector that they knew. Um, and they were like, you know, it was like a bronze of this. He had this, this one, I forget the struggle it's called. I think it's this hand. It's like an oversized hand, like really just super designy. Uh, uh, and it, it's like in each finger, there's a, a kind of like a, you know, like a screeching bird head, 
on each finger and they're all kind of like facing each other and he's got all this meaning behind it like he was this real deep thinker but he was kind of insane too but um you know I, they were buying it for like seven grand or something i mean at the time i was like wow it's kind of expensive but yeah. now looking I'm sure those things are worth so much money now. And there's like, they just were able to buy him because this collector discovered him living. It's in the documentary about him getting discovered, like in yeah. Burbank or something. And Burbank in this little apartment broke, you know, nobody gave a shit. And he, he had this whole career before him in Poland where he was a, he was considered a genius. And, yeah. um, uh, so he got rediscovered at the end of his life, and uh, uh, it's interesting, though. Yeah, so the the cream rises to the top, but it does, yeah. like you said, it takes a person sometimes to go, "Hey, look at this guy over here. You forgot about this, you know?" Yeah, yeah. No, there's there's one artist that I look at. Um, he's he's still alive. His name's Roly, and talk Ro- about Roly R U O L I. He's okay. Chinese. You know he's he's older. Uh, you know he's had had his had a career. Um, you know he's won some big awards and stuff, but just not as far as any sort of marketing or anything that. Right. He's living here in the U.S. Doesn't speak English, so it's you know it's tough, right? Yeah, and yeah. To translate for him has passed away recently. Uh, but he's one of those guys that a lot of people, a few a few people know about him and know how amazing his work is. Like as far as seascapes go, they are they are just brilliant. The, the just mind blowing his his control oh, wow. of, and design and just the level is so so high, um, but but as far as a lot of people knowing about his work, you know, patrons and things like that, it's just not. But yeah. he's one of those guys where I look at, um, it's going to take somebody other than him to discover him, and whether it's in his lifetime or not, but to to uh, you know show how amazing. Amazing. Yeah, champion and him. Sometimes it's like that, right? Is that was Van Gogh's issue? And he couldn't, you know, interpersonal relationships were a little tough. I know right. some. I know some ama- genius artists that are just terrible at promoting themselves, and they're just creating masterpieces, like mind blowing stuff. And it's just like it's hard for them to promote, self promote. Yeah, and and you see maybe that. They'll have their day, but maybe after. I know, <laughs> right? So it's it. I mean, but we know, we're not in this business because it's fair, right? Exactly. At the end of the day, like you say, you're doing this because you love it, yeah. and that's what you have to remind yourself every day that it's 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 definitely the journey. You know, all those things that are cliches, but you do have to remind yourself why you got into the first place and and what it is that motivates you and, and, uh, and let that kind of always be your guide. And, 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 you know, if it's that important to you, like you say, like you found and coalesced, I think it's really cool that you're not only found this tribe over the years, but are building it, growing it, advancing it, moving it forward. Um, and that's, that's kind of exciting too, right? Yeah, absolutely. Go forward like that. Yeah, yeah, it's exciting. It's it's totally unexpected, and it's just one of those things. You know, you try different things throughout your life, and most of them don't work. I've tried so many things, projects, like a band I was in for 10 years and trying to become a computer animator and getting that business and uh, different types of art shows I curated that just bombed. And it's like, and then 
then something you just do offhanded, you know, becomes a thing. And you're and, and it's like I would have never expected that the that it would become such a big thing. It's like I I, I still think I feel like it's um I just believe in the project. I believe in this genre. I believe in the movement. So I feel like uh you know, either someone won't do it or someone will will do it and do a bad job of it. So I don't want to see that happen because I care about it too much. <laughs> so I figure I better I better do it and try and, you know, try and uh make it try and um what's the word? Uh I mean you're moving the ball forward, you're you're in advancing it, right? Yeah, and trying to cultivate it as well. Trying to make sure the best you know, people trying to educate people within the movement also, you know, so it's like we're presenting our best fate. We already have enough going against us because we're doing this stuff, but we, so we better be able to really be badass painters at least, you know, so there's a lot of kind of education and, and talking about things like that on the podcast and helping people to market themselves, you know, just trying to make it a little bit easier on them. Totally. Well, yeah. It's- yeah. It's fun. It's cool. Well, that was a uh, an excellent episode. I really enjoyed talking to you. Likewise, I, yeah, yeah I, I appreciate you coming on, and uh, I'm really looking forward to the uh, Vision X live conference. Is, is that a, um, anybody can just go and get tickets? Right? Are they yeah. for sale yet? Yeah. So yeah, tickets are for sale. I'll put it. I'll put the description in the link. But tell me, just for people listening, where they go. So they'll go to visionxlive.com, and there are tickets for sale. Also, uh, professional artists, if they want to uh, get a booth to kind of exhibit their work as well, they can. Like a virtual booth? Yeah, virtual booth. Um, So they can kind of whatever they're creating or selling. Obviously, there's it's curated, so you know it's for professional artists. Um, Submit kind of an applic. There's an application process to go through on it. So, um, that's definitely part of it. Uh, but if you're a student and just learning, I mean, there's a ton of value that's going to be in this conference. Yeah. What kind of real quick, what, what are some of the, 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 the speakers going to be talking about? So we've got, um, like John Harris, who's a art legend, uh, does a lot of science fiction covers has done tons of them over the years. He'll be he'll be doing a, a talk with Fred Gambino and Greg Manchester. Oh wow! He, this is designed patches for International Space right. Station yeah. people. He's, <laughs> I mean, he's done. He, he's created a book himself. I mean, you'll be on that panel with him. That'll be really cool to see his, um, what he has to say. And um, right. there's so we've got Dylan Cole, who's uh, art uh, director for the Avatar films, wow. uh, doing a presentation, um, which will be really cool to get insight and all that so i think he can talk about the past avatar film he just won't be able to talk about the next three that are coming out all right but you know he's if there's any awesome project that's going on in the world in concept art he's aware of it so he's you know very well respected guy we've got also a lot of plain air things artists plain air painters of america are going to be part of this we're going to hear from some really great talented artists there um we're gonna see from you know still life painters excellent still life painters obviously the you know the dark arts uh artists to people that are doing we have like uh the obanoth if you know her work mm-hmm. yeah i think kind of edgy graphic yeah, stuff her stuff's great i love her stuff really cool 
and then we have we have a lot of people that don't fit in any sort of necessarily you know neat box right, right. Kind of, they cross pollinate i mean they're just well known for just you know their work right yeah well i'll tell uh, uh, yeah go ahead let me interject one thing is that for people listening the thing about this conference is that everybody in it is really good <laughs> that's seriously because it's like you, you know it, you have to curate things for that to be that way and so um you know this is something i, t- I tell my students because I, I have a patreon and I'll, some I'll, i have a, a mentorship tier where I, I teach once a month individual one-on-one um uh, sessions and i was just telling someone the other day it's like as much as you love you know, you might love certain artists for doing this and that. If you're really studying how to be a great artist, you need to make sure you study the the, the old masters because there's no question that they did it right. Everything you're looking at is the right way to do it. Whereas some people nowadays might be kind of popular, but they're still... I see things in some popular, you know, artists. It's like... That's not right. I know that's not right, yeah, but so yeah. it's so so uh, so it's important to when you're t- uh, training your eye. It's important to learn from artists that you know are doing it right. And so in this um, in this conference, it's like everybody is doing it right. So you can go in confidence and not be know that you're not going to be misled by someone who kind of yeah is kind of doing it right, but not not totally doing it right. If that makes sense. Yeah, it's 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 not just trendy techniques that are going to be talked right. about. These to deeply understand, yeah, what makes great art, and right. so that's the the kind of differentiation. You know, another guy is like Jeff Hine, and Jeff Hine's worked for many years exclusively from exclusively from life and does these massive multi-figure paintings. Um, I mean, he has gone back and from the Renaissance up and just done a huge, huge deep dive and understanding all that. And he, he's going to talk about his process of all the things wow. he's done. And even it comes down to like, he sews and makes the clothes. He carves the bowl. If there's going to be a bowl in the scene, <laughs> wow. he, he, uh, you know, every little detail, he actually makes it before he paints it. You know, it's amazing. Yeah. So that's the kind of, that's the kind of people we're having here is, it's just really, really, you know, a stunning group work. Another person that's really exciting, interesting is like Tom, Thomas Barcelo Castilla. Uh, he does these, you know, he's studied classical sculpture, but then he he's taken it into this like, it looks like an ancient alien sort of artifact. Oh, cool. And but it's got this real solid understanding of classical sculpture. So his stuff is stunning, and, and I know when I've showed it to some people, like whoa this is like blowing my mind <laughs> what he's doing here so um and i know i've tried to buy one of his sculptures like as soon as he puts them up on etsy if you don't buy it in like like th- three to well like three to five seconds it's gone wow what's his name <laughs> i'm gonna look him up after yeah look him look him up he's on the vision x live page uh it's uh thomas thomas uh okay m-a-s I don't know if there's an H in there or not. I don't think there is, but Thomas Barcelo. Okay. B-A-R-C-E-L-O, Castilla, C-A-S-T-I-L-L-A. Excellent. Yeah, there's a lot of artists that I didn't that I didn't know. Like I, I started looking once I became a part of it. I started looking them up, and everyone I looked at was like, 
you know, that's when I realized I was like, oh, <laughs> this is something like, kind of like, this is kind of scary. These people are all like, you know, kind of as good as it gets, really. You know, you look at when you look at an artist and you're like, they're doing their thing as good as you can do it. Like, you can't really yeah. improve on that. You know, that's about as good as it gets. So, so I'm excited to, to, to just to be included. So, um, yeah, I'm, I can't wait for it. I can't wait for it. Yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be great. And, and a lot of the artists, all, all the presenters are like, Hey, I'm as excited as just watching what everybody else is doing is, is presenting, you know? Right. I know. Because everybody, you know, feeling like, wow, it was amazing. This group got together. So. Yeah. 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 Well, thank you. Thanks for coming on. Um, Appreciate the invite. Yeah, and uh, uh, I'd love to have you on again in the future. And I look forward to the conference and everybody interested in. I know a lot of people listening to this podcast are going to be interested in this um, conference. So I'm going to be presenting, uh, talking about dystopia on there. Uh, there's just going to be tons of great stuff, um, presenters. So I highly recommend it. And uh, yeah, I'll have the the link as well as your all your links and stuff in the in the description and uh don't hang up but uh thanks for coming on and tell the audience goodbye because that's what we do at the end of the show we say goodbye audience goodbye audience (laughs) 